Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us once again as hour number two is underway at eight minutes past ten o'clock on this Thursday, the tenth morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Appreciate you being with, being with us. Thanks again to, uh, Brigadier General Robert Spaulding. Tremendous insights on China and the, uh, growing, uh, problem that the NBA has, uh, in, uh, essentially affirming capitalism and freedom and condemning communism and oppression. Back to that in a bit. Back to the impeachment inquiry nonsense in a bit as well. But I want to welcome our guest, Dr. Everett Piper, back to our program. He, of course, is the past president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He is the best-selling author of Not a Daycare. He's a columnist for the Washington Times. He is a speaker and a highly sought-after one at that. Joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Piper, good morning. Good to have you back, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. There's a lot of ground to cover with you today. And, in fact, you um, have uh, a new column out in the Times that I would like to discuss in a moment or two uh, and uh, and a couple of other things. But uh, you and I frequently talk about uh, societal norms. Uh, we talk about um, raising children uh, properly, uh, informing them and educating them on biology, on chromosome, uh, chromosomal science, on on uh, uh, human anatomy, et cetera, et cetera, especially as it pertains to the psychological gender wars. Um, there's a Supreme Court case, a couple of them actually. Uh, oral arguments were presented uh, on Tuesday about this very issue, Dr. Piper, so I want to get your thoughts. At issue is whether or not uh, gender identity should be replacing the word sex when it comes to protections granted and guaranteed by the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Uh, we all know that uh, you may not, or businesses, or, P- or organizations, uh, lenders, uh, landlords, etc., 
may not discriminate uh, on the basis of sex, uh, in addition, of course, to race, ethnicity, and other factors. Uh, what this case would essentially do, or at least these two cases that were being heard kind of concurrently, would do is redefine what sex means, to not mean male or female, binary choices, but rather uh, gender identity. What somebody feels like could lead to... Uh, I think some devastating uh, consequences in the United States for women. Uh, so you and I have talked about this in uh, you know anecdotal cases in the past, but now this is pretty large. If the Supreme Court here decides that sex can mean how you feel or what you feel like you are, gender identification, um, I think we're in a world of trouble in our society. Go ahead and take it from there. Well, you're spot on, and it's not a it's not a matter of if this is happening. It's a matter of it is happening, and how we're going to react to it, and can we stop it? Women already are suffering. Women have already been redefined as a fabrication and a fantasy rather than a biological fact. I've said it a thousand times on your show. I'll say it one more time right now. If you dumb down the definition of what it means to be human to nothing but the sum total of what your inclinations are, in other words, if your identity is nothing more than what you're inclined to do, then all is lost because a human being is no longer an objective fact. A human being is a constructed feeling. A woman is not a biological reality. She is a fabrication and a fantasy of a dysphoric male who wants to dress up and play make-believe. Women's rights are lost if women aren't real. You can't be a feminist if you deny the feminine. And we see this happening all over the nation right now where women are the first to suffer they suffer first and they suffer most when you have a dysphoric male libido unleashed on culture that takes the rights of women away because women don't exist any longer i cannot comply with title nine a 1972 law that was established to give women equal rights on the athletic field and in the curriculum and in the facilities across the college campuses in our nation, I cannot comply with it if I'm now being told by the federal government to dishonor women and pretend that women don't even exist. Kai Feldblum of the EEOC has said that where religious freedom and um, the freedom, the LGBTQ freedoms come into conflict, where religious freedoms and the LGBTQ freedoms come into conflict, that she can see no situation where religious freedom should prevail. That's sobering. That's very sobering. And there's a quote that Justice Kennedy made back in 19, let's see, was it 1994 or 92? 92. In Planned Parenthood versus Casey, this was Judge Kennedy's quote in the majority ruling. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Now, it sounds all wonderful and good. But stop and think about it. If the heart of liberty is grounded in the subjective nature of defining your own existence, your own meaning, your own reality, your own sexuality, your own biology, if, it's, if the heart of liberty is grounded in this license to play make-believe and to ground human freedom in fantasy versus fact, then the reality of our existence is in question and we lose our freedoms at the hands of those who just want to be subjective and elevate themselves to power. Dr. Everett Piper joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. The um, attorneys representing the EEOC in the case against the funeral home, uh, which is one of the two cases that we're talking about, 
uh, suggested to Neil Gorsuch, Justice Gorsuch, uh, in uh, direct questioning that there will be no social upheaval. Justice Gorsuch literally said if we were to move in this manner and declare uh, that sex means what someone thinks their sex is to to uh, uh, to adopt a gender identity or di- gender identification along with uh, the, or replacing the word sex in the Civil Rights Act. Uh, he said it would lead to a massive social upheaval. They said, uh, the attorney, I should say, representing the EEO, said we have uh, some 11.5 or whatever it is, number uh, million Americans who are LGBTQ of some sort. A significant number of them are transgender, and they already are here. And he said there are, in fact, lawyers in the courtroom right now who are transgendered, and there is no social upheaval. Uh, so his his argument, it seems to be, because of the way things are at the moment, there hasn't been a problem. Therefore, if we legitimize and uh, allow free, uh, religious freedoms to be removed, uh, to allow uh, employers to be sued, to allow uh, employers to be fined and or jailed or schools and these sorts of things, that this will not lead to social upheaval. Um, is there any basis to his argument? Uh, nonsense. I mean, it's just pure nonsense. Let's take... The buckle of the Bible Belt, the reddest of red states, Oklahoma, not one blue county in the last two presidential elections. Oklahoma, the conservative of conservative states, Tulsa, Oklahoma, two things. G.T. Bynum, the Republican mayor of Tulsa, Oklahoma, has made bathrooms in public, public facilities in Tulsa, Oklahoma, gender neutral. Women have lost the dignity of having their own bathrooms and their own privacy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That is a fact. It already exists. Now, how is that not social upheaval for those women who just want to be granted the dignity of their own privacy? Second, the Tenth Circuit has ruled that all the states associated with the Tenth Circuit, Oklahoma being among them, must comply with a new ruling. That ruling is this that women, biological women, have just as much right to go topless in public as a male. So if a male can go shirtless, so can a female. So just last week in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the public parks, the public parks of Oklahoma, there was a rally of topless women, and G.T. Bynum, the mayor, is doing nothing about it. You tell me there's no social upheaval? My land. Read the news. I, uh, I, every time I hear you say, uh, what was it, GT what? The uh, mayor? Bynum. B- G- yeah, every time yeah, you Bynum. say GT B- Bynum, I hear P.T. Barnum. I, I, I can't help but hear it because it is, <laughs> it, it, uh, right? I mean, it is an absolute circus what you are describing, and you're 100% right. Here's the direct quote I had been looking for. Uh, Stephen Cole is the name of the attorney represent, I'm sorry, David Cole representing Amy Stevens, who used to be William Stevens in the six years that he worked for the funeral home, but then decided he was Amy Stevens and started to dress in women's clothing, and he was uh, dismissed because he's violating the uh, funeral home's dress code. Obviously, we're talking about people who, uh, you know, uh, the customers, if you will, of a funeral home are family members, grieving family members who want to come in and and organize and and make the final arrangements for their loved ones. They don't distract the lunacy of a bearded man, and I don't know if he has a beard or not, I'm just giving prospects here, in a dress, sitting there trying to uh, go through this with them. Uh, But anyway, Cole said, the question is the matter, excuse me, uh, uh, David Cole, uh, this was Neil Gorsuch speaking to him, 
Uh, Mr. Cole, the question is the matter of the judicial role and the modesty in interpreting statutes that are rolled, and that's the question he posed. Nobody is questioning, and he certainly did not, the legitimacy of the claims and the importance of them. The question is about judicial interpretation, if you wish to address that. This is when Cole said that, first of all, federal courts of appeals have been recognizing that discrimination against transgenders is sex discrimination for 20 years, and there has been no upheaval in those 20 years. So the notion that somehow this will be a huge upheaval, we haven't seen that upheaval for 20 years, there's no reason you would see that now. Transgender people follow the rule that's associated with their gender identity. So essentially, uh, what what his response is, is because I choose not to see it, Uh, I choose not to look at Tulsa, for example, as you just pointed out, uh, and I choose not to look at uh, the number of women and uh, girls who have made complaints about having to be exposed to male genitalia in their previously private places of undress because he chooses not to see it. It doesn't exist. It has nothing to see here, nothing to see here, when there's everything to see here. Tell the girls in Connecticut that are having to sue for the right to having to sue for the right to compete against females rather than being crushed by biological males in the 100-yard dash. Tell them there's no social upheaval. Tell the women in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that have to uh, endure the indignity of sharing their bathroom with biological males. Tell them there's no social upheaval. Tell the young married couple with two young children walking through the parks in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who are confronted with a bunch of topless women who are enjoying a good roller skate in the park. Tell them there's no social upheaval. Tell the grieving family at a funeral who has to endure a bunch of men that are 250 pounds dressed in size 14 pumps and wigs that there's no social upheaval. I mean, this is nonsense. And like you said, nothing to see here, nothing to see here when there's everything to see here. To buttress your point about the competition, a high school junior named Grace was among those speaking on the steps of the Supreme Court as these uh, arguments were being heard. She is a softball player and a soccer player who said, I believe that when the, I believed that when they told me if I worked hard enough, I could do anything, that being a girl wasn't a limitation, and that if she believes she can, she will. But then you make it to the field and you see a high school boy across from you, not as a coach, not as an assistant, but as a player, and your entire team's focus and motivation is lost because you're defeated before you even start. She said her team's spirit of, yes, we can, was quickly replaced by, why try? And and that's just, de- that's devastating, and that's defeating, and quite frankly, that's unconstitutional. That is, it is a direct violation of federal law as well, that women are not being treated fairly and equally by forcing them to compete against biological males. And, the, and, and her speech on the steps of the court, um, I think, just exemplified, exemplified that. Um, Dr. Piper, let me take a quick time out. I do want to hit a couple of other quick things, including your article this week. I think it's very important and poignant. We'll talk about that as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nice. 
right, 1024 now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer with Dr. Everett Piper, uh, former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, best-selling author of Not a Daycare. And if you've never read that book, you really, it's, it's never too late because it's going to be timeless, to be quite honest with you, as long as we continue to face the things that we face on college campuses and their impacts in our society. Dr. Piper is also a columnist for the Washington Times. He writes a column each week, and last week's piece uh, was about the tragic story in Dallas, Texas, of uh, a man sitting in his apartment, um, uh, minding his own business, um, who was shot and killed by a police officer who came into the wrong apartment, assuming did Amber Geiger, uh, when she walked in, saw the door, the, the door ajar, uh, thought that her apartment had been broken into, and when she saw a male walking towards Toward her, she shot him, center mass, and killed him. Both of Jean, uh, Jean, if you will, uh, rather, uh, was killed in the incident. Amber Geiger felt absolutely horrible. She was convicted of murder and sentenced to 10 years in prison. And what happened at her sentencing uh, is something that has been the talk of the country. The brother of Botham Jean gave her a giant hug, said, I forgive you, and I do not want you to go to jail. That was followed by the judge giving her a big hug and also leaving the courtroom and coming back in with the Bible and asking her to take it. Uh, both suggested she turn her life over to Christ while she is in prison and tries to recover from this. Dr. Piper, you wrote a great piece about this and i'll let you um offer your insights what uh brant gene botham gene's brother just did is he showed us the heart of the gospel and the gospel is not about revenge but it's about repentance it's about grace it's about forgiveness and we can only experience grace when we recognize that grace is perpetuated by god to us predicated on forgiveness and by us to others predicated on forgiveness. It is not about getting a pound of flesh. It's recognizing that I, amongst all, am the foremost of all sinners, the Apostle Paul, and that I need to be forgiven, and likewise, I am required to forgive. What Brant Jean just showed us is that forgiveness is the only thing that breaks the cycle of cruel hate, cruel hate to refer to Martin Luther's king, a mighty fortress is our God. The cycle of cruel hate is only broken by God's grace. God's toward you and yours toward others. It's about forgiveness, and I'm so grateful. And we should all be standing up and giving a standing ovation to Brandine and his father, who both said, this is about forgiveness. It's not about revenge. It's not about victimization. It's not about vengeance. It's about extending to others what God has already extended to us. It's um it's a wonderful message uh that Brant Jean lived out uh and it's a it's a wonderful message that you spelled out in your in your article in your column but I have to ask you how do we find that if we don't feel that and this might you know I, you don't have to have all the answers Dr Piper but I know I and a lot of other people on social media and and, and here on the radio we're, we're so amazed and moved by Brant Jean's uh forgiveness and we have said, um, I wish I could do that. I don't know that I could. I would like to see myself in a position like his, but overwrought with grief and anger and sadness at the, uh, you know, the death, the terrible, violent death of my loved one, accidental or misunderstanding or not, it would be very hard to find that forgiveness. Um, where, where does that come from? If, even if you find, find you feel yourself as a person of faith and as a person of, uh, you know, person of God, a child of God, and you want to be that way, but you, I don't know if I could find it in my heart to forgive if somebody killed a loved one like that. 
It's the basic question of which comes first, um, belief or behavior. You know, it's the chicken and the egg argument. And I would conclude this. I go back to a turn of the century, early 1900s author, George MacDonald. George MacDonald had a great deal to do with C.S. Lewis's conversion. He wrote a seminal work called The Curate's Awakening. A curate is an Anglican priest, a pastor. This particular book is a novel about the doubts of this pastor. Does this stuff really exist? Is it real? How do I know if the story of Christ is true? And the conclusion in the book is, in my attempt to obey the words recorded as his, Christ's, I have found grandeur beyond the realm of any human invention, and therefore I cast my lot with those of the crucified. In other words, if you want to believe, obey. Your obedience will lead you to belief. That is the seed of obedience, excuse me, the seed of belief the seed of faith is the behavior that's predicated on the facts of the gospel. So if you want to forgive, do it. Do it. Obey. Do what Christ calls you to do, and the more you take those actions, the more you're going to end up believing it and actually owning it as your own. If you want to believe, obey. I'm going to uh, go past my news here by about 45 seconds, just so that you can give me a 45-second answer to this. What was your reaction to the um, atheist groups, I can't remember, Freedom From Religion Foundation, I think it was, that actually filed a complaint uh, against the judge for giving the Bible to Amber Geiger? Nonsense. i got to be quick here. Our entire Constitution is predicated on a biblical worldview, a Judeo-Christian ethic. It's replete within the evidence of our history. And to claim that somehow the Bible has to be expunged from a courtroom over which Moses himself is often depicted as the giver of our laws is lunacy. If we have no standard of law, it is a lawless country, and our standard is that Judeo-Christian ethic that's grounded in the Ten Commandments in a biblical worldview. Dr. Everett Piper, terrific answer. That's why I wanted to ask you, even in a short context. Thank you so much. Dr. Everett Piper, we'll talk to you again next week. Blessings. Thank you so much. 1031 now. Let's get to the news on 81420 The Answer. Ten thirty-seven on the Bob France Authority continues. Thanks so much for joining us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, you know, I've been telling you this week, and will continue to tell you throughout the month of October about Heartbeat International. Heartbeat International is responsible for an extraordinarily important or important uh, um, option called Option Line. I guess is the best way I want to say that, as they attempt to reach out to those who are abortion vulnerable. Option Line's 24-hour call center and cutting-edge website, OptionLine.org, have helped so many women choose life for their unborn child when abortion seemed like, to many of them, the only option. Uh, This is not the only option. There are 2,700 affiliate locations across the world with Heartbeat International, 1,500-plus of them here in the United States alone. They have pro-life pregnancy resource centers available here in the United States, and it's something that we need to spread the word over. I said this before, and I'm going to say this again. 
Every woman has her own story. Every woman who has considered abortion, and even women who have had abortions and have come to regret that terrible decision, uh, everybody has their own story about their unplanned pregnancy or their unwanted pregnancy or unexpected pregnancy, and they're all different, um, and every one of them can be heard by somebody sitting on the other end of the option line. And the federal government doesn't help. The federal government helps centers, pregnancy centers that kill babies. They provide them with grants, funding for Planned Parenthood, for example. They do. They provide money to kill babies. They don't provide money to save babies. That's where we come in. I want you to help me fund Heartbeat International. This appeal is very important. In fact, before I do that, though, let me let you listen to one of those many stories. Again, every woman has her own story, and sometimes you need to hear them personally to truly understand the importance of giving. And we will get this audio playing for you momentarily. We're having a little bit of a glitch here, but I do want you to hear the story of Tika Brown. Uh, her story is, is compelling, as many others are. My senior year in high school, my boyfriend at the time, him and I were on and off dating. Him and I had actually were not dating at the time um, and decided that we would just get together for lunch one day and hang out. So um, I didn't find out I was pregnant until 10 weeks later. Uh, My mother actually was the one who inquired about, how are you feeling? Why are you throwing up? Uh, So she was the one who sent me to the Caring uh, Pregnancy Center in our area. As soon as I walked in, I felt that loom of shame and embarrassment and what in the world am I doing here? I just want to turn around, but the worker, she greeted me at the door, she hugged me, she didn't even say, why are you here? She just said, how can I help you? Um, And that warm welcome was that, that's what drew me in at first. Okay, let me let down my guard a little bit. So then she brought me into the counseling room, Um, I took a pregnancy test, it was positive, obviously. The thing that drew me in was, she sat with me face to face. She didn't just shove pamphlets at me and say, be on your way. She sat with me, showed me the pamphlet of, you know, the stage of the baby at 10 weeks, flash of, should I have an abortion? Like, I'm I'm a senior in high school, I can't do this. Who's going to be my support? She gave me that pamphlet for abortion, uh, looked through it, she talked with me about it, she talked to me about adoption. Then, the very last thing, she gave me the baby model that little 10-week baby that literally fit in the palm of my hand. Sealed the deal. Sealed the deal. It was so amazing. Of course, she's here right now. It was so amazing to see that an actual life was growing inside me. I'm sorry. Anyway, it was so amazing. I, I really appreciated that because I was a senior and I didn't know where I would be. And her caring hugs and her thoughtfulness to give me that baby and say look this is a life but whatever you choose i will be here for you we have three children now one more on the way Uh, my husband joined the marine corps and we've been stationed around the world and what i love about the pregnancy help centers is i can find one anywhere in my area i've helped so many girls i've sent them to pregnancy help centers Um, it's just an amazing corporation to see you guys 
literally are the backbone of us. I don't know where I'd been. You offered parenting classes for my husband and I. He was only 16 at the time. He had no idea what he was doing. It was just an amazing experience. Um, come here. <laughs> this is Taylor. She is seven as well. She turns eight in April. She is amazing. I don't know where we would be without her. So we are partnering with Heartbeat International's option line to help answer the call and save babies by informing the parents about how horrific abortion really is and how wonderful and glorious protecting life can be. Join us this month by giving back to Heartbeat International. $75 of a donation. If you can donate $75, it'll allow the call center to take calls from people like her for one hour to help save babies' lives. $150 will allow two hours of calls to be received. $450 for four hours. $900 for a half day. And obviously it goes up to $1,800 for a full day. I know we all don't have $1,800 to spend. But if you do, would you consider? If you give to charity, how about choosing this charity? How about helping save babies' lives? Quite literally, dollar for dollar, you are helping influence young women or just women generally um, who are in a very vulnerable state to save their baby's life. Please go to our website, whkradio.com. Click on the option line banner at the top of the page with Heartbeat International. Option line banner at the top of the page. And please donate to save lives. It is extraordinarily important to us. All right, 1044, we'll uh, get a few phone calls in here. I know we've been guest heavy today. 216-901-0945, if you would like to get in. Uh, Richard is calling us from Menor. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Richard, thanks for your patience. Go ahead. Uh, yes, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I got you, Richard. Go ahead, sir. Okay, um, I get something called Conservative Buzz on my phone, and they say that on October 7th, CNN was interviewing Clapper. Obama's uh, head of national security, and he basically threw Obama under the bus. He said, "We were, I didn't do anything wrong. I just did what Obama, what I was told to do." And, but yeah, I read that comment. I read that comment. I did not hear the audio, <clears throat> excuse me, but I did read that comment as well. I don't think it's quite as direct as uh, I just did what about. Well, it's similar to that, but there is context before and after it. Essentially, he was saying we weren't acting on our own uh, with respect to uh, uh, the investigation of or the monitoring of President Trump's campaign, but we were uh, you know, acting on the uh, orders of the commander-in-chief. Uh, it doesn't rise to the level of, Obama ordered illegal spying. If it did, we would already be, you know, you know, Bill Barr, the Attorney General, I'm sure, would already be all over this. But it does give us at least some insight into the actions of the bad actors here, of Clapper, of Brennan, of Comey, and of McCabe, among others. Uh, it does give insight into that, and uh, it is certainly something worth following up on. And I hope that we, you know, this is the thing. You know, as this uh, ridiculous uh, impeachment uh, inquiry or phony impeachment inquiry continues, Richard, um, if they ever actually have a vote and allow the minority party, the president's party here, to call their own witnesses, they would call their own witnesses into the entire thing, and I would hope they would depose uh, Clapper immediately and ask him to follow up and explain what he meant by that remark, because it could indicate the beginnings, the birth, if you will, of the um, of the um, uh, deep state movement against the president of the United States. Well, the, then then a candidate for president. Well, I think it's evidence that the rats are leaving the ship. He's afraid now of the attorney general, and now he's going to just 
explained that he just followed orders from Obama. Yeah, well, well, you know, I'll tell you what, it, it may be an indication of that. But like I said, I think we have to look at context, and we have to see exactly what he meant by that. That's why he needs to be deposed, and he needs to be um, uh, questioned uh, by uh, Republican uh, members of See, this is why this impeachment inquiry is such a hoax, okay? It's why the letter that I started to read portions of to you in the first hour of the broadcast this morning is so important. White House counsel uh, Pat uh, Cipollone uh, sent an eight-page letter to Pelosi and to the other uh, 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 committee heads, committee chairs, about this inquiry, essentially saying this isn't an inquiry until you hold a vote and then give us and the president an opportunity to call witnesses and defend themselves and defend uh, the president uh, with respect to all of this, providing full transparency to the American people. Let us hold this thing publicly, not behind closed doors in this little cabal that you have formed. Um, it's extremely important. Once we get that, we can call, or they can call a clapper to the, st- to the uh, committees and testify before the committees uh, as to what he was told by Barack Obama and when and what it meant, etc. Right now, we just have that one line. We do have that one line, and it begs the question, not an answer. It begs the question, did James Clapper just admit that he was ordered to go after the Trump campaign while working for Barack Obama by Barack Obama? And that's something John Durham is going to find out, I really believe. I have a lot of faith in the Durham investigation. U.S. Attorney John Durham continues to look into the origins of the government's targeting of the Trump campaign. We know about the Steele dossier. We know how important it was, no matter how much Chuck Todd tries to deny. We know about that. We know that what came from the FBI. We know it was funded by the DNC and by the intelligence uh, uh, agencies. And the former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, is now being questioned about what Richard just brought up. He argued that he was concerned about the Russians interfering with the election, which is why his agency, the National Intelligence Agency, gathered information. And during a recent interview with CNN, this is what Richard's ta- Richard is talking about, Clapper admitted that he was simply following orders from the commander-in-chief who had ordered the intelligence agencies to do so. His quote was, like I said, I read it, I don't have the audio of it. I don't know. I don't think there was any wrongdoing. My main concern was with the Russians and the threat posed by the Russians to our very political fabric. And uh, the message I'm getting from all of this is apparently... What we were supposed to have done was to ignore the Russian interference, ignore the Russian meddling, and the threat that it poses to us. And, oh, by the way, blown off what uh, what the then Commander-in-Chief, President Obama, told us to do, which was to assemble all the reporting we could, end quote. That's the line Richard's talking about. He's saying President Obama ordered us to do all or assemble all of the reporting we could. That's a very, very general statement. It is nonspecific. It doesn't say, go get Trump, go spy on Trump. It said, look into the possibility of Russian interference. And that's going to be their defense, because they should look into the possibility of a foreign country trying to interfere with American elections. So their argument will be Obama didn't order us to do anything illegal just to assemble the reporting. So that's why I said context is important, and we need to depose him and find out more. I would love to have a Jim Jordan 
or a Matt Gates or an Andy Biggs or or somebody of that uh, nature ask questions about that and follow up. What specifically did the president tell you to do, and when and where and why? So. That's where that sits. But, Richard, I do appreciate you bringing it up. It certainly deserves our time and attention. I just don't think it's going to be uh, the gotcha moment that a lot of people think that it is. 1051, right back after this. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, final segment of the morning. It's 1054. We get a couple more uh, phone calls, and I had so much more to get into that we are out of time. I really do. Sometimes I wish our two-hour show was a four-hour show. Uh, it would give us a lot more opportunity to get some more work done. But uh, be that as it may, let's uh, listen to you now. Uh, let's go to, oh, it's Lisa. It's not Friday, Lisa Woods of Medina and Medina County Friends and Neighbors. I usually hear from you on Fridays with a uh, Saturday promotion. What's going on this morning? <laughs> Thanks. Well, my kids have school off tomorrow so i thought well i better call in today i don't know what i'll get into tomorrow do you have plans tomorrow for the uh, day off <laughs> well we'll see i have one that's not feeling so good so we'll see don't but, take him um, don't take him to see joker uh, no okay i would i would highly <laughs> recommend keeping the kids away from that movie sorry just a, just a little weekend uh, advice there anyway what's okay, coming up well, on saturday Oh, we have uh, Justice um, Sharon Kennedy will be our guest speaker. And this is um, 8.30 till 10 o'clock in the morning, a.m. at the Copper Top Golf uh, Club in Valley City. And I'm really excited to hear uh, Justice Kennedy. And I just encourage everyone to know what is on that November ballot well ahead before you go vote, because we always forget about the judges. You're right. And every... Everything you talked about today had to do with, you know, how we interpret the law and so forth. And I think she's going to give us some great insights on really every topic that you were talking about today in your show. Well, that's that's a, that's a great time to have her on then, or have her in, I should say. So that's uh, that's good to know. And you're right. Uh, too many people at these elections don't think about the judges. They don't listen to the judges. They're looking for D's or R's, but judges are not allowed to be political in identifying themselves that way on ballots. So uh, you really knew, do need to look at them in their records and what they stand for and, and talk to them. So that's a great opportunity to hear from a justice like that. So that's coming up Saturday at 830? Saturday, 830 at the Copper Top in Valley City. Always a great time. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Medina County Friends and Neighbors is a great organization. Tanya is calling us from Akron next. Hi, Tanya. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. This is Tanya. Hey, I just wanted to let people know, I just finished watching Fox News before I got on the road this morning, Mm -hmm. and they have that new poll out that says 51% of Fox News, uh, Fox people believe in impeaching and removing Trump. I'm like, Let's not believe our lying eyes. We need to get off of Fox. We need to listen to you, listen to more conservatives that are going to give us the truth. Read basic books on the foundation because I think we're being hoodwinked, you know, with them interviewing so many of the Democratic uh, candidates. They are now watching to pollute our vote. So I just, just think that we're in... We're in a conspiracy cycle, but I still think that we're not getting the truth. And if we think about the basketball league supporting China, the right. field team for half the CNN, MSNBC news reporters were once on Fox. 
Well, yeah, that's true, too. That, that, that is kind of strange, uh, you know, how they do cross over that way, Sonia. And I'll tell you this, and, and thanks for the call. I'm going to wrap it with this. Um, I'm not surprised by that poll, and I'm not just going to sit here and throw darts at Fox over doing it and then reporting it. Um, it. It has to have an effect. Why do you think it's so important, not you, Sonia, but everybody, why do you think it's so important when we rail against fake news? Why do you think it's so important that we hold CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the others accountable for their fake news? Because it has an impact. How can how can there not be a poll showing that more people want Trump Trump impeached and removed than did before? Because day after day after day, they're pounded with the lies of Adam Schiff being presented as truth of Jerry Nadler, of Nancy Pelosi, and of, of all of the talking heads on all of these networks that we're talking about here as being true, that somehow Donald Trump did pressure, did uh, use a quid pro quo, et cetera, et cetera. Adam Schiff's reading this stuff into the record in, in Congress, for crying out loud. You pound people over the head with a lie enough times, they start to believe it's true, and then they start to think maybe we do need to get rid of him. So I'm not surprised by that poll at all. We have to keep holding people accountable and change people's minds. That's where I have to leave it for this time. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Mike Gallagher's coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll talk to you free for all Friday. Enjoy the silence.